parent to a competition dancer is a fun and sometimes stressful experience. Each week, we tackle a topic, share our wins and fails, tips and hacks to help you have a little more fun and a little less stress at your dancer's next competition. I'm Casey. And I'm Amira. Welcome to Two Dance Moms Podcast. Last episode, we covered the rules and expectations for proper behavior from dancers in competitions and in the studio. But today, we want to discuss parents' etiquette in the studio and at competitions, clarifying what is expected of us dance parents in interactions with other dance parents, staff, and choreographers can help pave the way for success. Welcome to Two Dance Moms Parent Etiquette episode. Another spicy hot take (laughs) from Casey and Amira about etiquette. I feel like each time we have like a spicy topic, we should always have like a disclaimer and say, we're not talking specifically about anybody that we know or maybe that we're we're not perfect, I guess is what my disclaimer should be. Right. We are not coming from a place of being perfect when we are talking about other dance parents etiquette and behavior oh and we're gonna get into how we're not perfect oh yeah we're gonna discuss that later but I want to start off the episode by saying nobody is perfect we're all works in progress we're talking about this stuff because I don't think we knew some of the expectations going into our dance first year dance season and maybe we can shed some light for newer dance parents and just like in our last episode we discussed bad behavior we discussed manners and we discussed etiquette kind of the difference between them and I personally have had experiences where all three of those were not necessarily my best moments. And we all have. <laughs> at competition. And that's why we want to talk about it because we're all in the same boat, just doing our best and hopefully getting a little bit better each time. I will say, like we discussed in the prior episode, that sometimes competitions are like a breeding ground for the worst of cases because we're tired, we're hungry, we have lack of caffeine, we're stressed, we're not at home and in our usual environment. And so sometimes that can breed bad behavior yes or having us not be as aware of our manners and stuff totally and I feel so much more grace when I see a child with poor behavior because they're learning yeah they're they're growing they're young but when I see an adult with bad behavior I tend to have a little less grace because they know better and it's something that I need to work on to not be like judgy judgerton because (laughs) There are moments where I have bad behavior and we don't know what that parent just went through. Mm -hmm. Like, was their child kicking and screaming while they were trying to glue lashes onto their eyes? Yeah. Or did they just have a fight with their spouse? Like, we don't know what somebody has gone through in those moments before we maybe see them in not their best light. We're going to have my sister on the pod in a couple weeks. And I think that's something she always encouraged when we're approaching like a conflict or a difficult situation was kind of thinking about having acceptance and grace for not knowing where another person is coming from and what challenges they're up against. So I think that you're right. We we should show more grace to people, but sometimes in the moment we, we can judge. We're not perfect. Now, what if we see bad behavior from a parent and it involves us? How do we handle that? And I think you already answered it, you know, having grace, trying to think through it and not automatically jump to the worst case scenario. I think something that always sticks with me, it's my big sister. So I'm like, whatever she tells me I'm going to do, but is to like take a beat and always like step back and take a breath and like don't even answer, respond, or even come to a conclusion about anything yet. 
just like hit pause. And sometimes it's so hard because we're all in like a mashed up situation around each other at competitions or at the studio. And it's usually there's like a bustle going on. But I think um, taking a pause before you react in any situation is going to help you generically across work situations, studio, comps, you know, home situations. It's always a way to go. I can't recall a situation where I did shoot from the hip verbally and didn't regret it. <laughs> like if something happened and I had like that that intense feeling to like say something and yeah. I did, rarely do I turn around and be like, that was a good choice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely like pro, like you got to go with your gut. And I don't know, maybe it's like my background, but I do feel like if your gut and you're really feeling like strongly about something. My gut is and usually maybe too intense then. Maybe yeah. I'm like... <laughs> See, I feel the opposite about you. I, I don't feel like maybe you're just good at like taking a long breath or a long beat. But I, I do feel sometimes you do have to get it out because if you bottle it up too much, it can become more than maybe it should be. Very and I think true. direct and honest is the way to go always. Maybe before that honesty, you take like a breath. But yes, yeah. take a breath. When we're experiencing other parents that are having bad behavior, you know, there there is that choice. Do I Do I say something? Or do I let it go? And we need to weigh the outcome. And maybe that's where the breath comes in. Yeah. In that moment where we're taking that breath, we weigh the outcome. What is the result? Is the result that I feel like at least I'm being honest. At least I'm not going to explode later. I need to say, say mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. to like prevent future problems. Yeah. If you're direct about it, it's mm-hmm. how you say that. That would be delivery, right? Am I saying it just because I'm angry and this isn't really going to make me feel better maybe later which sometimes is like I think mine is like more of a sassy sharp and I need to take a second to not but then there's situations you know where it it is the right thing to do and I think we've we've got to weigh it is this worth saying something and sometimes yes and other times no I think if it is in defense or at the for your child like you can never be faulted protection if the worst thing that another dance parent is doing is advocating for their child I will always forgive them I might feel like they're being sassy to me for a second but if you're doing it for your child I'm probably going to be like okay I like you motivation matters motivation matters absolutely okay so tell me do you have an example of a time when you have felt like you weren't your best yeah maybe you regretted behavior or see it's usually in those situations where I'm I'm tired and hungry so mm-hmm. just like we discussed with the children like if I don't have same applies all my things lined up like proper sleep proper nutrition and maybe you know I've been rushed and I'm feeling stressed when I get into a situation and if I feel like somebody is being short or rude or you know however I'm interpreting it but it it hurts my feelings it's generally like a sensitivity issue if yeah. I feel like somebody has hurt my feelings or is being rude to me I will lash out and can sometimes, sometimes be maybe a little short or sharp with my responses. And whether or not somebody else notices it, I know it because mm-hmm. it's it's coming from an upset place inside of me. Whether or not it's like readable by other people that I was being rude, like I was trying to be rude because <laughs> yeah. I was upset. And yeah. so that's... There's not like one specific situation, but I know I've done it. You know it. about yourself when yeah. you feel that. Yeah. And I've I've had to apologize. And that is like humbling because mm-hmm. it's like, I'll realize that person didn't deserve that. Like, this is a me issue. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And maybe they're hungry and tired. And they said something <laughs> that wasn't meant to be rude. I've got great parents. 
And one of my favorite things, my dad is a very masculine man. Um, but he was always able to apologize. That's a good example. Even when I was a child. He did something that he didn't think was appropriate. He wanted me to know. And he would say, you know, Casey, I need to apologize to you. I responded poorly in this. You know, I wasn't patient, whatever. And it made me like respect him so much more Mm -hmm. that he was so confident in himself that he was able to apologize. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I, I, I want to be that kind of person that if I do act in a way that's rude and sharp. And there's many opportunities that I'm going to probably do that at competition. You know, I want to be able to go to that person and just be like, hey, I was rude earlier and I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like, that's not my intention, you know? And half the time I don't think people even realize that I was being rude because they're distracted with their own stuff. Yes, I, I think you probably, it's maybe an internal thing because I feel like you're just the last rude person on the planet. Like, I would never imagine that coming from you. But I think, like you said, it's maybe not how you said it on the outside. But We're getting the way you felt. Now. Yes. Okay, so anyway. Maybe this is like my, my I will move on to mine and I will just keep it general. <laughs> but but we had a super tough year um, because a very, very close member of our family was passing suddenly from a horrible, horrible disease. Nobody in the studio knew about it. I mean maybe an occasional close one or two. Mm -hmm. Casey probably knew about it. But I wasn't able to volunteer. I was each day trying to get through, you know, taking care of the immediate members of my family and my kids. And I had no tolerance for BS whatsoever because ultimately I was just like, none of this is important. I don't care about this. There was no bandwidth. Yeah, I just had no tolerance. So um, I think people not knowing that's where I was coming from. Maybe didn't understand why I didn't want to like linger and chat in, you know, the lobby or whatever. So I will say that maybe my my manners or my behavior was not at its its best on the outside, you know. But um, there are times you you have stuff going on in your lives and people you have to understand they're going to maybe have stuff going on in their lives that we don't know about. So it helps me, I think step back a little bit when I'm taking things personally or I'm sensitive like you are. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to consider when you're feeling some type of way. Yes. Yeah. So now that we've had confessionals with Casey and Amira. Was was this therapy, two dance moms (laughs) therapy episode? Are we talking about etiquette? Let's jump into etiquette. Let's move. Our disclaimer is we are not perfect, but we're going to share things we've noticed at various places, both at a competition setting and in the studio that we think might be helpful to other dance parents. Not judgy, but just helpful. Mm-hmm. So last episode, we talked about venues and how etiquette would vary. Etiquette is the rules, the expected rules or behavior in a, in a specific location. Mm-hmm. So the locations that we're at, we have a couple different ones. Yes. The first being like a performing arts center or like a theater, which is more of like a formal setting um there's like slanted seats toward a stage you enter from the back mm-hmm. dim lighting sometimes a curtain the general rules apply which you guys all know being quiet during a performance arriving to your seat before somebody goes on all that stuff yeah. we probably don't need to detail it all. no but how do we feel etiquette for a parent would differ than for a dancer in this setting. For a parent in these situations, the expectation is a little higher than for the child because ideally I would assume that they've all been to a theater at least once before. So they Mm -hmm. do know the rules and they know how they feel when their kid is on stage. They know how much it costs to get here, time, energy, money. Like 
I would expect them to, you know, be quiet and to clap and all of the, all of the rules that we are trying to teach our kids. I expect that of a parent. Right. I think too, they are not, it's easier as dancers are rushing onto stage for their performance from warm up, and they're more aware about, they have so much to think about what they're going to do on stage. Parents, we don't have that. We can sort of commit to going into a theater when there's a break, knowing when our dancer is coming up, knowing that we have space to enter before that because more than likely your dancer is with their choreographer warming up or being led to the stage with their team. So there's just a lot more space, I think, for parents to observe the general rules walking into a theater. And emotionally, yeah, we are nervous for our children, but we are not preparing to go on the stage. Yeah, we're not about to undertake like some big <laughs> We are combo. not the ones that have to go get changed really fast. Yeah, but we may we're not be hurrying around. We, we probably are hurrying around, but not to the degree that they are. Yeah. One thing that kind of stands out that's different for parents than dancers or that we can touch on in a theater is recording and like photos. I remember my first time going to one of these spaces and that they wouldn't let me record my child. I, I was caught off guard with that. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you to tell me? It seems like not their territory. Right. Yeah. Like, this is my kid. You can't tell me I can't record my kid. And mm-hmm. so that was an etiquette or a rule of a space that was very foreign to me mm-hmm. coming into it. Because to me, I felt like, like, how dare you try to like monetize like my child. That's what like, it felt like. That's to how you. it yeah. felt going into the space. I wasn't thinking about any of the other angles. I was looking at it like, this is ridiculous. I have spent thousands of dollars to get my kid here. They're finally on stage. And now you want to pump me for another 35 mm-hmm. to $100 to get a video of my kid. And it's like, just let me record my kid, you know? Yeah. And that's how I viewed it. But that is not accurate that's not their intention that's not yeah. their intention because some of those competitions are actually giving you the videos they and the do. pictures after but still don't want you to take it in the theater yeah but very honestly that is how I felt not knowing the etiquette not knowing the rules and the circumstances for actually what it is and why do you think that they do it to protect other kids yeah. not your kids well it's other kids and just safety in general and we are going to have an episode on safety mm-hmm. uh in the future so watch out for that one because there are a lot of circumstances at competitions that can get a little dicey it is a, is protection it's a precaution and there's you can definitely make me like see things if you talk to me about it in a safety aspect i'm going to be like oh i didn't even consider that mm-hmm. who who are they to know that i'm the mom they don't know no There's no way for them to say, oh, it's okay that you're like just recording and videoing and watching this child. If it was some creep and he was watching somebody else, there's no way for them to monitor. And I hadn't even considered it from that perspective. That's, That's a good thing to mention because I agree with you. I am not perfect. I have no position to judge I, I'm, I've been tapped on the shoulder because I've been recording. But another reason I think that they do it is to preserve the quality of images at a competition. Mm. And you do know if you're seeing good videos, you're seeing good pictures, you're going to think like better about the level of professionalism or the level of, um, you know, competition at a certain competition if it looks better. So I feel like especially dance is a very image Um, driven visual thing so I understand why they're wanting to preserve that my judgment would come from and I have seen this parents that are holding their iPhone up and blocking views 
from other parents, other teammates, and they're like up in the front with their arms completely up. I have seen a person with their iPhone up in front of where the professional photographer station was in the audience. And so that's where I would say like, just don't do that. I'm not condoning it. I'm not telling you to take video or pictures, whatever. Just don't block other people. <laughs> don't have your flashlight on. Yeah. So another venue that is common for dance competitions would be a hotel ballroom, yeah. which we see a lot. I think it's the most common. Most common. Um, all flat, equal level yeah. seats uh, to a stage. And not all um, stages are created equal. Not all stages are created equal. <laughs> Generally, you enter from the back, but also sometimes the sides, and sometimes they're adjoining to yeah. other spaces. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of semi dim lighting. Yeah. Like you would in a hotel. They definitely try to create a theater like um, environment, but it's it's in a hotel ballroom and. And I think the difference with the ballrooms is that it can often be passways, pass-throughs. Mm-hmm. At the at the theater, you only have one stage. You can only have one performer or group on at a time. And in the ballroom, they utilize that space because they will have two stages, three stages. We have gone to competitions where there are four, four. count it, four stages. It's wild. <laughs> And, you, and a major amusement park next door. <laughs> yeah. And people are walking through and around and it's just chaos. It's chaos. Yeah. So, so I think that in that instance for parents, it's somewhat more acceptable. I mean, there's going to be, you, you're going to be chasing your child from the dressing room. If it's adjoining to a stage, don't interrupt a performance. But maybe if you're entering from the side and you're hunching down and you're coming to sit and you're not disruptive, it's a little bit more acceptable than okay like a formal theater. in the back. Yes. Just sit if you're in entering that, mid-performance, sit, sit in, the, in back, the back. Sit on the wings <laughs> if you're coming from the side. Um, hunch over so you're not blocking people. You don't need to wander up into the front and center. Just sit in the back. If you didn't have the time, if you don't have the time availability that you could have gotten there before it started, you're sitting in the back. Yeah. Like go in the back. That's okay. You can still go on see. the side. Don't disrupt other people. Cheer. Still cheer when the yeah. dance ends. And be your best self. (laughs) If we're walking through, if there's like a pathway and we're walking through in the very back or whatever to get to a different stage and a dance ends, I'm clapping as I'm walking. Like I might not have even watched it, but I'm like, you know what? We're going to clap. Spirit. Yeah. I like that. Why not? Give them a clap. Moving on to school gyms. There's a lot of high school dance in California, and I know some other states have it as well. It's popular. And almost all of the um, high school dance is done in a school gymnasium with the squeaky floor and the loud metal benches. It's very difficult to be discreet entering and exiting a school gym. We were just at a solo competition uh, for our studio that was at a high school competition. And they did such a good job though, monitoring the doors. They would not let anybody in because the door is the side. Mm -hmm. So it's very obvious, like you walk in and you're staring at the side of the dancer. How distracting for the dancer, like it would be detrimental. There's no like formal stage to separating them from like the audience or people entering. So it would be even more distracting. Lights are on. Everything is totally yeah, bright. Yeah, it's like full fluorescent lighting. Squeaky There's no floors. like dim lights and then start of performance. So you have to do something very definite like shutting a door. They had a between. parent at each door, the entrance and the exit, and no door could open while uh, music was playing. Yeah. So in the, in the break, they opened the doors. People could come in, sit down. So if you missed it, 
if you didn't get in for your dance, you weren't seeing it. Yeah, that that I think that's helpful though. Yeah, and that that teaches etiquette, like forced etiquette. You oh, know? it was forced, yes, but it was good. I was really like thankful that they had that set up because that space is so unforgiving to mm-hmm. sound and movement. Yeah. There's no hiding in that space so they really had to monitor it and they did another situation we wanted to discuss not necessarily a venue change but sort of brings up a whole nother set of like etiquette for parents and dancers which we discussed in our last episode was the studio what are some things that we can expect from parents at a studio with regards to like etiquette and behavior i think the hardest one is timeliness yeah we have our own lives we have our own jobs we are running around like crazy we may have a spouse or possibly other children that are trying to get to and fro yeah (laughs) other places and so we have to navigate that and get our child to dance and ideally you know they should be arriving a little earlier and you know not have to wait too long after class and some but sometimes that doesn't happen but I think ideally the etiquette is that we're we're getting our kid there handful of minutes before class starts so they can respectful of time others time teachers time Um, I think in particular, this is like very important with regards to private lessons because they're like stacked and like a class cannot start, a private lesson won't start if your dancer is not there. And if there is a person with a following lesson after your dancer and you're still occupying the teacher, they lose their time, Mm, you know, because it's back to back to back. So being mindful of if there's somebody coming in after you, kind of getting out of the way yeah. and moving on to the next so that they can start their lessons on time. I think in general is a good practice for parents. Yeah, it's definitely something to be mindful of. So we have our arrival and departure on time uh, as, a, as a sense of etiquette. Anything else that comes to mind for the studio? Yes, I think saying thank you. Like I always teach my kids to say thank you to their coaches and teachers. And now I feel like I don't have to remind them um, as much. But I think parents should do it too, like when you can. Yeah. Just like, thanks. Thank you. We mentioned parents to coaches and that dynamic. So at mm. both comp and studio, what are some things that we should share about the etiquette between that interaction? In the same light, like we were just discussing, there is a familiarity. It's weird because it's somebody that we have hired to train our children. They are also our child's teacher and we more or less like travel with them yeah. in, in, a, in a way that's almost like our our vacation sometimes. Like, yeah, like sometimes you're sharing meals together yeah. or you're in like a hotel together. You're spending a lot of time together. So there's this weird line of like a very official like business relationship and training relationship, but there's also these very close relational ties as well. Mm-hmm. This person is pouring hours into your child. Your child hopefully loves these people mm-hmm. you know if you're at a good studio um your kid has has at least fond feelings for their yeah. their coaches and um hopefully you like them too and, and you're getting to spend a lot of a lot of time together so i think the line is very blurry or and it's it, probably going to be different for each of the directors each of the choreographers each of the teachers like what their comfort level is yes. so hopefully they have spent some time like drawing lines saying please don't text me for these reasons please only communicate in this way during these time hopefully those lines have been drawn for you and if they're not drawn if you don't feel like you have a clear cut outline for what the etiquette is as far as communicating with your coaches and um like staff at the studio ask them 
There's nothing wrong with asking yeah, questions. Yeah, I'm sure they would prefer that you, like, asked what they wanted rather than, you know, overstep a line and have them have to tell you in uncomfortable situations. So it's better to ask and be direct up front. Totally. For sure. One thing that I see come up a lot um, with parents, and I think it's just that we don't maybe know better. And like Casey said, we're familiar. It's like we're all hanging out. But um, is like our our directors, the choreographers, the teachers, they're not like our kids' babysitters, right? So they're busy in comps, but our dancers are going to want to go around with the team and support where it's like it makes sense. So like if they want to watch the rest of the team and they want to, you know, cheer on during a warm-up and the teachers seem comfortable with it and they're just sitting next to them and not bothering, that's one thing. But like leaving and running your errands and expecting that your dancer is just going to float around wherever there's going to be teachers and choreographers and dance team, I think that that is, it's, it can be tempting and feel like, oh, they're fine, they're occupied, they're with their team, but you still have to stay in the background. Like You still have to be the parent because um, ultimately you are the one that is there to watch your dancer. They are there to warm up their team. Stay maybe a distance so that they know you're there and right. allow them to like engage kind of. Right, and I think that distance is also important. Like we haven't checked out, we're not allowing like kind of, releasing our our care of the kids but at Mm -hmm. the same time we're not hovering because I think that is also like kind of a breach of etiquette because Mm -hmm. they're trying to accomplish a task with our kids if they're about to go on stage and and say that's the the time setting we're preparing for something like there is an appropriate amount of space that we need to kind of release our kids into their we trust management yeah and they want to focus the kids they have things they want to talk to them about and dial them in and and we need to kind of release them to to have that relationship and we can we can keep an eye on our kid but you don't have to hear everything you can be however many feet away or yards away and watch yeah we can backseat basically yeah Yeah. so that's like parents with coaches and people leading their team what about we have a lot of time with other dance parents so parent to parent etiquette can be a whole nother right um In particular, in a dressing room. I know we have come across a lot of situational things with other dance parents. Yeah. But this is like dressing rooms with other teams. And I think that's where manners and etiquette are really put to the test. Because everybody sets up, they lay out the blankets... Mm-hmm. they're like this it's is like my very space. territorial yeah and you know in parents defense we're all just like trying to get a situation that's best for our kids so there again if your motive is you're advocating for your child you're trying to make the best situation so they can do what they love and feel good about it I'm on your side but 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 have some mindfulness about you know your fellow dance parents. You're not. We like might island. not be on the same team, but like I'm still a person. Yeah. Don't throw your ta- trash in my dancer's bag. That's oh, right next my to you know your stuff. I've seen so many things in a dressing room. I know you have. And now I'm thinking about this. My dancer had oh. her solo same day. We needed to make our call at call time. Ran into traffic. The dressing room was a shared dressing room adjacent to this one of the comps that had four different stages. So it was chaos. There mm-hmm. wasn't room. We were there before the rest of our team. It wasn't like we had a whole section and there was only a few tables and chairs and I needed to get my dancer like ready um, makeup wise and a woman's food bag 
was in the way. Delicious. Food bag on a chair <laughs> on a table where there's like, like this was like it didn't need to take the one space of a chair. So there was other teen, like older dancers in the area and they were like opted. They moved it out of the way for us. They helped. I was like, oh, so sweet and thoughtful. But then the mom came charging in and who wanted to know touched my who moved food. her food bag. And I just laughed. Honestly, I thought it was hysterical. There was not a confrontation. I just, I apologized and like moved on. But in the back of my head, I was dying because the other dancers were so polite and like, get her on stage. Hurry, move this food bag. Yeah. But the parent and... Her motivation was probably just, she's like, I worked so hard to have food for my kid. I wanted a place for it so they could have it when they That's got That's very done. generous of you to put it <laughs> in that light. It was just funny. It was like not even costumes. It wasn't makeup. It was it was food. Packed with people. I've, I've met some really grumpy people in the dressing room before. And I feel like it is easy to disarm them because genuinely, I believe that like in their soul, they're they're like kind. And mm-hmm. if you if you feel like you've offended somebody by getting in their space unknowingly or whatever, like generally it's unknowingly. And I've like looked at different people and like I'll try to like make eye contact with them and be like, I'm really sorry. Can I shift out of the way? Like, how can I, how can I adjust this for you? Like, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like, they kind of realize that they're being like the nasty one. And mm-hmm. then they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's easy to disarm people if we just go into it with that mentality of like, we're all in this together. Yeah. Like dance parent to dance parent. Yeah. So we need to be respectful of other people's belongings in dressing rooms. Um, be mindful of walkways and sort of shared areas. Try not to step on people's blankets, maybe. Yeah. Unless I mean, sometimes they, it's unavoidable. There's only a floor of blankets. If and they you chose put their to put blanket it the only place in a to bad exit. spot, but yeah. if, but if it's not, I mean, I will choose to try to step over a blanket than to walk upon it. Sure. Yeah. Um, clean up after yourself, like if you've had your food bag you had your lunch like clean up put it in the trash make space for somebody else after um a big one I think especially as you have any age dancer um is just don't don't take pictures and videos in the dressing room um I just think that's like an etiquette you missed it you missed it I just like rolled my eyes so hard this is (laughs) the most frustrating thing if if you have done this innocently I get it. I've done it innocently. Like my first year going, oh, you look so cute. Yeah. You know, you don't think about it. Here's the deal. It's a dressing room and like kids are changing. We've got so much going on and you're, you, if you come out of the competition with a photo of your kid, you feel like you've accomplished something because half the time we'll, we'll leave a competition. I'm like, I didn't get a picture of you in this costume. Oh no. Like you want to get a picture of them. You want to get a picture of them with their friends, but the dressing room is not the place to do it. You're putting so many other kids at risk, not even knowing it, that somebody could be behind them getting dressed. And it's, I mean, we've taken pictures in dressing rooms when it's, was only my dancer and her few dancers before they, we had our own space. they, it was Small before rooms. a dance. They were all dressed. They were all ready. So they were just like killing time in between. There's like, you know, a place maybe to do it. But if there's other people and it's an open yeah. dressing room and people are changing, that's, you just don't ever like want to do it. beyond manners and etiquette. It becomes a safety thing. Safety, and yeah. a lot of people aren't considering that because it's like, well, the rule is don't videotape the stage. And you don't think about it in this context. But it's like, oh, man, once you realize that. Another thing about the dressing rooms is as far as etiquette goes, there are some competitions will assign a dressing room to a specific team. Mm-hmm. Hells tend to have huge, huge spaces and they just kind of make everybody go into one space. But when you're at a theater and there's like smaller rooms for the kids to get dressed in, 
oftentimes they will put a name, like a studio name. These two studios are in this room. These three studios are in this other Mm -hmm. room. Your studio might not get the best space, but I think it is important. You need to be with your team, first of all. Like, don't abandon the team if the team goes somewhere else, but the team should go where they've been assigned, allocated space, because then that other team won't have room when they show up and their name is on that, and then they don't know which room to go to. And I would think that the competitions assigned it based on like the size of your your team. You know, if there's a team of hundreds coming in, they're probably going to get the bigger dressing room. Now, if my team went into a room that they were not supposed to go to, I will stick with my team because my kid needs to get ready with their team. Oh, yeah. But when we're wandering around and you're looking for your space, you should go to the space because they're not going to know which room has got the extra space. Mm -hmm. Like who are they trading with in a sense? They don't know that. So that's another like kind of, a thing you wouldn't know if mm-hmm. you weren't if it was your first time going. So yes. maybe look at the names on the doors because yes. your team will have a spot often. Yes. Um, in the studio, parent to parent, I think overarching, just like we said, give grace to people. Be gracious if somebody does something helpful. Say thank you. Yep. Teach your kid what it's like to be a part of a team by being an example. Yeah, I yeah. think etiquette, being on time, leaving early, all the things that we kind of. Uh, had touched on um it is kind of a unique situation because it's not like you've necessarily chosen the other parents you're um, interacting with like your friends yeah it's not like people that you've come out and and met and said these are we've chosen to kind of hang out it's you're kind of thrown into situations together those are sort of our thoughts on etiquette we have some special contributors that have a lot of experience and maybe a different perspective that have agreed to share with us their etiquette tips and pet peeves. This is Leslie Mueller, co-host of Making the Impact Dance Competition podcast. I also serve and have served in the past as dance competition judge, dance teacher, dance writer, dance competition director, and many other things in the dance world too many to go into right here. But I would love to share my biggest pet peeve from the parent side or on the parent side uh, from my time as a dance competition director and as a dance competition judge. My biggest no-no for dance parents in the dance competition world is when parents sit in the designated teacher row at competition. The teacher row is there for teachers and studio owners to have a dedicated space to go to to watch their dances. Um, So many times dance teachers and studio owners don't ever get the opportunity to watch their dance from the front. They are either in the wings, they're backstage, they're running around, they're doing all kinds of stuff. And almost every dance competition I've ever attended in any capacity reserves a row for teachers and and, uh, studio owners. The amount of times as a dance competition director or a dance judge that I've seen parents blatantly ignore the signage on those rows and just take the seat because it's empty is shocking. Um, And it sets a very bad example for your children, some of whom I also have seen in those seats, uh, sanctioned by their parents to just take the seats that are designated for a studio owner. Um, Those seats are reserved, and they're reserved for good reason, um, because we want to make sure that we have respect for the people who've created this beautiful art for your kids on stage. So do yourself a favor, do everybody a favor, find another seat, find another place to be, Um, because we need to make sure that we are giving respect where respect is due to your dance teachers. Hi, my name is Brayden Singley. I'm a choreographer and dancer in New York City, originally from Utah. 
And some advice that I would share with parents, I would say let your dancers learn on their own. I see a lot of parents kind of telling their kids where to go stand, what to do, how to do it. And this is a reminder, unless you are a director or teacher for the student, like for your child, you should not be telling them what to do and how to do it while they are taking class ever. That is not your job and you are paying other people to do that. And if you feel that the people um, who are teaching your children are not doing that in the way that you would like them to, one, you can either train them privately yourself or two, take them to a different studio where they can receive the education that you feel like they need to do their best. Hello everyone, my name is Dimonique Bell. I am more commonly known as my childhood nickname, Dimo. I have been dancing for over two decades. I have had the blessing of sharing my passion and love for dance to youth all the way up to adults. And I'm here to talk to you about parent etiquette when it comes to being in the studio and outside the studio regarding competitions. For in-studio, making sure your dancer is prepped and ready for class. Now, when I say prepped and ready, making sure that we're aware of what classes that we're taking. If we're taking ballet, of course, we want the hair slicked back, no wispies, and a nice clean bun. We want to see their lines. So we want to see a nice leotard, ballet tights. And if they have any warm-ups, of course, they can wear them for warm-up. But eventually, we want to see lines. The next one is viewing classes. We of course have windows or we have cameras in the studio space so you are able to see your dancer's progress in the studio with the teacher. When it comes to viewing the class through the window, don't stand right directly in front of the window. If they're in the youth ages, it can be a big distraction for them and eventually they'll call out for mom or dad And we want to make sure that they stay focused and they know that discipline that mommy is here, mommy's going to pick you up, dad is here, they support you. But it's a big distraction when we have to close the blinds or we just lose our dancers' focus and we can't keep them engaged in what's going on in the room. Of course, we want to see our dancer growing every single week, learning new things, learning their routines, but we have to make sure that we are not a distraction and not stopping them them from growing as a dancer in a whole. Um, this applies to in-studio and competitions. Getting to hear from our guest contributors is such a gift and we're so grateful for you all. Thank you so much. Getting your perspective, you see competitions and studio life from a different perspective and we need to learn about it and are just really grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you guys. Up next, we're going to talk about personal stories and worst parent behavior. Parent. Okay, emphasize parent behavior. Yes. Am I going first? Sure. Okay. I think the worst behavior I saw, and it was just last year, so maybe it's fresh, (laughs) was I saw a parent criticizing their child after they did not place (gasps) post-awards, and I happened to be witness to it, and maybe they didn't know other people heard but it was really hard to like watch um and I just think it was it's just bad behavior Ugh. you know it was like twofold because it was like in front of people it was like in an, yeah. an open space but then it was also the fact that you were criticizing so it's like painful to even just hear you say that yeah it was a hard I don't know if I'll forget about it it was um it was bad behavior yeah, yeah. that That's is all. bad behavior yeah. um mine was a little funnier 
Um, <laughs> yeah, mine was dark. Mine wasn't very yeah, funny. Yours was we need sad. to lighten, lighten the mood. Mine was a little funnier. It was at, man, this was, I feel like we're talking a lot about the competition with the four stages. <laughs> it was at the competition with the four stages. And this is the only competition that we've attended that has a touch screen in the lobby where they post all the scores. Yeah, the, of the top. The top 10. The top 10. So all the top posted. 10 scores are posted and you can see, and they also include ties. So the top 10 could be like a top 15 if anybody had a tied So score. now everybody knows what the comp with the four stages is. Oh, they can figure it out. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. They okay. can figure it out. Okay. Anyway, four, well, but maybe their version of this competition doesn't have four stages. True. Because ours True. is, as oh, you said, yes. at an amusement park. <laughs> So it, okay. it's a lot of fun, but they have the touch screen and I was scrolling and looking, um, at my dancer. I don't know if it was her solo or group dance. I was looking through the stuff and this lady comes up and she had grabbed, not like physically aggressively, but like had brought <laughs> them with her. I'm sorry. I tried to wait my laugh because I should know the story yet. I got to wait till you tell the story. She brought with her uh, staff from the competition. <laughs> she was like, come with me. We need to, you need to She's see ballsy. this. She was so some. Anyway, <laughs> she brought, I think it was at least one, if not two people that worked for the competition. Made, <laughs> I, I moved away from the screen really fast. I was like, hey. Exit. Out. Left. Yeah, I'm gone. But I was observing anyway so she starts looking stuff up and her little tiny dancer had scored whatever oh she had a mini yes <laughs> this was a mighty mini mommy and she her dancer was not where they should have been in the score placement maybe this is why none of them placed the scores like i always yeah. would like to see more scores but it makes sense maybe so you this, don't have confrontations like there's this. crazy parents <laughs> Anyway, so she like got the staff and she was like, my daughter, you know, scored this and she's on here and this. And she was like having a full blown argument in the lobby with competition staff about her daughter's like placement (laughs) and how it was listed on the screen. Just know everything about it. Just know. I was just like, this is the most bizarre thing I've seen. If you guys saw this same occurrence at a four-stage competition, please write us write to us. It was wild, so we can laugh together. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked. I was like, "That's bad behavior." That was like, bad on many many levels. If you know, and funny. It was very funny. <laughs> um, Worst etiquette. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Worst etiquette faux pas you've ever seen from parents. Yes. Um. So I think mine was. I did see a parent approach a judge. It was oh. during a small break. Oh. Well, but it just seemed, I mean, there's this, like we talked about boundaries and walls. And it was just like at a competition approaching where they were sitting at their judge's table. That's so and bizarre. And discussing something. I feel like even if you like, and maybe this is me being like extra cautious, but like I don't. I would like be scared to make eye contact to judges at like the Starbucks line. Yeah, let alone like it, go it didn't up to seem them. Welcomed. It seems. No, it doubt it was uh, welcomed. It. I was just like <laughs> so uncomfortable sitting in my chair. Um. Yeah. So I would say that one stands out to me because oh. I just I would never be so bold to go up to a judge. No. 
Yeah. No, I don't know what they were talking about. That is about, a bad life choice. It just, it wasn't, it was not good etiquette. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do that. Poor, <laughs> that is, that is definitely a rule. You are not to talk to the judges. Yeah. There's a, there's a line. There's, there's a wall there. Yeah. yeah. My, what's yours? My biggest etiquette, we were at nationals and, um, my favorite group dance that my daughter had all year had made it to the showdown. So the showdown was like the top four. There was 40 dances in the group, okay? Teen, the teen small group division had 40 dances. They were in the top four and they don't announce like the placement. They're just like, you're the top four. And then they do a showdown and they recompete the last four. And it was my last time seeing my favorite dance ever. And I'm there and I'm so excited. And the lady in front of me would not sit down. Uh-oh. The dance started and she was like moving her bag and phone or keys, I don't know, off of her chair. It was, this was a late showdown, wasn't it? Late night? No. Maybe she had hit the no, sauce. No, this was, was the afternoon. Oh, well, maybe she, maybe she hit the maybe sauce. Maybe she still hit. I don't know. But she would not sit. I don't. She looked, she looked completely sober. She just was not like. She wasn't considerate. No. Yeah. And I'm just like. My heart is breaking because I'm like, oh. I want to see my kid. This is the last time she's ever dancing this dance. Please just sit down. Yeah. And I was, I was very upset. That would, that would be upsetting. Yeah. Sit your booty in the chair. Don't. Yeah. And I was like center, like third row. Yeah. Like, and I've been, etiquette. I've been like sitting there forever too. Cause I was like waiting. I was like, I'm oh. not going to get up cause I oh. want to see this dance. Anyway, that was the worst etiquette. It was last year. It was not at the four-stage competition. Not different four-stage competition. competition. <laughs> Next up, top of the topic. This episode's top of the topic, top three things dancer parents can and should do when interacting with parents from other studios. Number one. Say hello. Oh my goodness. Simple basic greetings go such a long way. I really have a lot of fun with that. Like if I'm at a competition, I love just being like, oh, hi, where are you from? Like, yeah. and people are generally like so disarmed by it. And they're like, oh, you know, like they're, they're happy to share. Yeah. I feel like it's, um, we're all like common dance parents. So we, we know we're shoveling big bags. It's evident we're all here for the same reason. So you have that common ground walking into it. So a hi is a good thing. Number two. Uh, make space for each other in the aisle in the dressing room. No parents own the space where the dance comp is occurring. It's mm. important to remember that. You might have gotten there first, but you don't own it. So just kind of move and we can make room for all all of us. We'll fit, yeah. you know. Yeah. We're all there for the same reason, like I said. And when we're friendly with each other, it's a lot easier to make space and to be like, oh, let me help you out. You know, yeah. it just creates such a better environment. Everybody's yeah. way happier to be there. Yeah. And and it's a good example to your dancers. Absolutely. Number three, congratulate them when their dancer has placed. Always be gracious. Always be supportive. Love that. Be a cheerleader. I love that. Our kids are dancers. We are cheerleaders. Ooh. So true. Yes. A little congratulation goes a long way. People remember it. That's your top three, top of the topic. Thank you all so much for listening to this parent etiquette episode of Two Dance Moms podcast. Thank you for our contributors for sharing such helpful knowledge about parent etiquette. 
And thank you all for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, follow all the things if you like the podcast. It definitely helps us get our podcast out to other dance parents who can access the information and are looking for some some community and some tips maybe, and maybe some laughs. <laughs> we are fast approaching the end of the year at Two Dance Moms Podcast, but we have a very exciting announcement in our January episode. So please make sure you're listening, make sure you're subscribed. We have a very exciting thing to come. Yes, stay tuned. We'll see you next time on Two Dance Moms Podcast. Bye.